just want to emphasize to listeners and that we are kind of old <laughs> and inexperienced with this kind of um, radio technician stuff. And so we are going to try, we've been practicing, we're going to try and do a better a sound wave this time. So be patient with us. It's coming. So, Fred, welcome to Wanderings. And, Sandy, you had some questions to start out with. Well, I wanted to thank Fred very much for being here. He lives in the cottages, and I know he has many good friends over there, and I wanted him to tell us a little bit about his friendships at the cottages. Well, thank you, Sandy and Sale. Um, I'm, I'm honored to, to be asked uh, again. And um, um, I, I'd um, like to first start off with uh, uh, some thanks. About one year ago, I had a, a tragedy, really. My, I uh, w broke my hip exercising, and the same day, my wife passed away. Two things at once, and um, I couldn't believe the support I got from our neighbors um, in the cottages. Uh, Russ Jones and his wife Kathy and Pete LaFleur and his wife Sue, Sue were just uh, incredible. And there's others up and down the block too that, that I have to uh, uh, say thanks to. They know who they are. And uh, I just couldn't have done it myself to get through it and they're still to this day helping quite a bit. Um, one thing that, that, that happened that um, is interesting, um, a lot of ladies showed up with casseroles. Uh, they <laughs> thought I was going to starve. You, you were a widower at that time, so there comes a parade. <laughs> yes, and I call them the casserole caravan. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm just really, uh, I, I can't believe that the bond that's been uh, generated between uh, me and the neighbors, and um, it's it's wonderful. Uh, that's Holly Creek, isn't it? And also the cottage have a special connection with each other. I'm so glad to hear that, Fred. Yes, and and I, I'd like to get more of that going between the the, uh, the main facility and, and the cottages. Well, it always does my heart good to see cottage people here and I'm, I feel in the, the same way. In the gallery and in activities, the lectures and things. It's and I was really happy when they would come over on their Wednesday wine nights over here when it was too cold outside, but they'd come here oh. by the fireplace. <laughs> is that, that an so all-year-round nice. event, Fred? Well, when the weather is, is not very good outside, we, we come here. But when it's halfway decent, uh, we meet in... Um, Oh, uh, one of the, the front yards on on, on the the, uh, the driveway, and have our wine and and talk, and it's really great. It's really great. Well, then, do you have any of the big house people breaking in <laughs> to you? Well, uh, Are you're we welcome. Ever invited? Do we have to be invited by a cottager to come over? 
Well, you know, this is kind of a special organization. Oh, right? I see. Yeah, <laughs> we don't, we don't really respectfully. No, no, we no. have to know somebody special in order to come over and have a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we ought to think about that. That's uh, that's a good idea. Let me let me bring well, that back. Well, we don't we, we don't want to intrude. We're just happy to have you over here whenever we have a chance to yeah. see you. <laughs> so, and welcome anytime. So we're not going to look. You had said, let's not look at the past. It seems like a philosophy you have. Let's go ahead. And we do recall things at from time to time, and it is good to think about things in our lives that happened. I have to talk again about your farm, or I want you to talk again about being raised on a farm. Can you? That's looking past so a little bit. Um, a little bit about your background. and Well, um... Growing up on a farm is, um, I think, a privilege. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't look at that look at it that way uh, for many many years, but um, it was just a lot of hard work. But there's a lot of learning in that hard work, and and a lot of knowledge that I have that others don't. And um, I remember growing up that the first thing I wanted to do was leave the farm and do something else, and. Um, uh, when I went off to college, I, I started at the University of Utah, and I just didn't do very well. Uh, I started in civil engineering, and um, I was kind of lost. And um, so of all things, I took an aptitude test. And the aptitude test told me to be a farmer. <laughs> oh. And uh, so I started taking biology and physiology and all that sort of stuff, animal science and crops and all that, and really enjoyed it and transferred to Utah State and did very well. And then I discovered economics, and I, I uh, uh, got a master's in economics at Utah State, and I was I really really enjoyed all of that. And uh, the first job was in Washington D.C. Actually, um, I, was, I was an economist for the Department of Agriculture, but uh, I couldn't see myself as an attaché in Madagascar or, or Kenya or something long term, and. Um, um, I, I had some, so I, I stayed there about a year. I wrote a couple of ag briefs for them, and um, I guess they're still on the shelf. I don't know. <laughs> but um, then I, I um, uh, went to work for DuPont in their ag, ag products uh, business, and it, it's been wonderful. It really has. But you are, you are an agronomist now. Uh, or well, you were for many uh, years. Uh, always, a farmer's always an agronomist. Oh, <laughs> I suppose that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, yeah. ble- I s- believe, Sandy, you mentioned that, Fred, you're going to speak to the cottage people about working for DuPont. On Thursday, you mentioned to me you might be speaking to them. Uh, yeah, well, not the cottage folks, the men's group. Oh, oh the, the men's, men's group. group. Yeah, and one of our topics is... Um, what we did when we worked, not just, well, I was an economist, and you just drop it, but what really, what's entailed in that uh, that role, or I was a civil engineer, um, what did you really do? Um, so all of us have 10 minutes, and we're going to, there may be, oh, 15 in our, in our group that come, and um, it'll be interesting. Is this a, a men's group of the cottages? Yes. Yes. And you meet on a regular basis? Once a month. How long has that been going on? Ever since I've been here, probably uh, three years. Oh, really? And you come over here to meet in yes. the Silverton? Yeah. Well, that's great. I didn't know about that. Yeah. Um, uh, Hans Neville runs it. Uh-huh. And he's, he's very good. 
Well, up on the screen we have a picture that wasn't there the last time you were here, but we talked about this. Now, what's been added? Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is a surprise <laughs> to Fred. He didn't know it was going to be on there today. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's my, um, uh, my, my uh, I guess you'd call it my uh, um, obsession. <laughs> After uh, you retired, you yeah. were so busy working, though, yeah. going all over the country. Finally, you retired. Yes. How did you get started? Well, I was in Yakima, Washington, and uh, I was with a fruit fieldman, a guy that checks uh, customers' orchards for them for diseases and insects and how the blossoms are doing and the pollinators and all that. And we started talking about old cars. And we spent uh, the afternoon looking at all the old cars he knew around, and there was one behind a, uh, an abandoned gas station um, in um, uh, Natchez, which is close to Yakima, and it had a tree growing up between <laughs> the bumper and the fender. And I had to have that car. I saw it, and I had to have it. It was a, it was a mess. <laughs> and we had to chop the tree down to move the car. And... Um, from then, um, over the years, uh, you know, work, work kind of took priority in family, and it just went from uh, one, one uh, transfer and another. And finally, when I retired, I, I, I completed it. I, I restored everything on it, and it became a, a nice little, it was a good-looking car. It was a show car, and Kathy and I traveled around the country in it after it was finished, and we put about 30,000 miles on That's it. It's incredible. It's been to Maine and, and um, uh, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, Vancouver, B.C. Uh, we've driven it all over. And, At a uh, speed of? Well, uh, about 45 Forty-five, fifty. You took it all in. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. You know, I remember how much gas did it take? Um, well, the, the tank is only about ten gallons, but um, it would take about twenty-two miles a gallon. Did um, it have a horn? Oh yeah, ooga. <laughs> so <laughs> if if someone in front of you heard that sound, I bet they'd really be surprised. Well, you can hear it now. That's my my ringtone on my phone. Oh, is it really? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I remember um, a trip to Yellowstone. There were about four of us in Model A's went to Yellowstone. And, you know, um, most everybody's been there, and they know how the, the cars stop in a line when a buffalo or, or, or somebody, some animal comes up along the side of the cars. Well, um, I, was in, I was in the front with Kathy, and, um, um, of course, it's a, a roadster. And uh, there were three or four other Model A's behind, and we heard over the CB, um, roll your windows up, roll your windows up, the buffalo are coming. And Kathy said, I don't have any windows. <laughs> <laughs> Did she duck to the floor? <laughs> well, she just kind of froze, oh. and the buffalo kind of really walked up and kind of sniffed around inside a little bit. And <laughs> she was just, I, I couldn't do anything. We just sat there and... And uh, <laughs> finally wandered away. I'm sure but, she uh, never forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have any windows. <laughs> <laughs> one more question about the cars. One of my first memories of having a car was the beautiful white wall tires. Now, where on earth did you get those? They, they still make them. They do? Yes, yes. Yeah. There's quite an organized um, uh, hobby around the Model A's. They were, they were just really... Uh, um, very durable uh, for, uh, and have lasted longer than any other the antique cars in that, that era. 
so uh, with a rumble seat. Yeah, you got a rumble seat, and, um, and um, you were involved in an auto club here for many years, weren't yeah. you? And you were president of the auto club. Yeah, yeah, and we took many many trips together. We we actually uh, ran into great race. Um, that's the race of antique cars across the country. The one we ran, went in was uh, let's see, I think it was. 96 no no older more recent than that but it was uh, from uh, philadelphia to um, um san mateo california and uh, you know to you did the distance you did the distance with your car yeah you yeah. made it well no we, we we built the car as a a group as a club so oh. so we had an individual car and um it was interesting uh, i was a better driver than a navigator and um, uh, we were talking about the race afterwards with one of one of the navigators, and and he and I, I said, um, you know, Ted, um, I just I just couldn't wait to get in that car in the morning. I just couldn't wait to get in there. <laughs> and Ted said, I couldn't wait to get out. <laughs> <laughs> what a difference in the appreciation of that mm. wonderful and car. These rallies, there were just men, weren't there? Or did no. Kathy go with you? Uh, no, the, well, the, uh, us, we were just men. Yeah. But um, uh, a lot of the um, other contestants, uh, men and women, husbands and wives, it was, um, the, the winner was the grandfather and his grandson. It was about uh, 13 years old. Oh. Yeah, he was a navigator and he won. We will never forget that. No. Yeah. No. But uh, great fun. Well, you had immigrants coming from Italy. And you have a story in the journal that's just coming out. Is that about the immigrants? Well, it's about my grandmother on my, my mother's side. And um, she was a character. And I'll, I'll let you read the article. <laughs> uh, I won't You're not going to give it. Well, you gave us a hint. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She was a but character. your family came from northern Italy, didn't they? They yeah, were immigrants. My, my, my grandparents. Yeah. Um, um, they all came from the same little village, and it was tough economic times. Where did they come to when they first came to the States? Well, their, their, their first, um, um, the men came. Um, it was a small village in about 30, 40 families came uh, over over time but the men came and started in coal mines in um, southwestern Wyoming uh -huh. and uh, they saved their money and worked hard and then they moved to uh, a little enclave in Utah uh, near Ogden Utah and there were about 30 40 families that, that kind of held their culture together there and uh, all became farmers so uh, it's a rough life well, yes, but um, again, uh, I'm, I'm kind of privileged. I, I just have so many great memories now of, of growing up there. Um, it was, um, well, it was just How great. many years did you live in Utah? I know you met Kathy there. Um, well, um, I guess, well, we left immediately after I, I got my, my thesis done and graduated and loaded our U-Haul trailer and off to Washington, D.C. You were anxious to move out. Excuse you were anxious to move out of Salt Lake City. Well, um, I, I've always looked at things outside, things bigger, you know. Not really bigger, but just I was just interested Different. in a lot of other things. Yeah. But there's something that you told last time about a mule tender and a cowboy. <laughs> Can you repeat those two? How... <laughs> 
they uh, turned into cowboys or oh um my my grandfather on my mother's side and my father's side came first they came to explore the opportunities and um my uh, my grandfather on my mother's side um worked the mines for a while and didn't really like that too much and and he had an opportunity to um uh, work with a rancher in the area, and he, he was sheep herder and a cowboy uh, for, for a few years. And then, of course, when um, um, uh, he, he married my, my grandmother, when she came, which the story is about her, um, he thought that um, it would be better if he had a more stable <laughs> lifestyle. And uh, since he was so good with animals, he was given a job as a mule tender. In, um, in the mines, in the Copenhagen mine in Superior. And um, with, with the mine, with the mule tender's job, he got benefits. Yeah, they, they, they got housing over the, over the mules in a loft, over the mules. So. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of could have been a noisy night. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was warm in the winter. And uh, that was good. Their, their mom and my mom and uh, three sisters were born there, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And then they moved to a little house in town. Um, my my son and I are, and his his wife are going to take a trip uh, this summer to go up and, and and see if we can find that house in Superior. It's kind of a ghost town now, but we're going to see if I can't find it. And take oh, some I good pictures. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What an interesting background. Do you do genealogy? I, I do a little bit of it, yeah. I, I've been able to trace um, back to uh, maybe 1820. Uh-huh. The church um, burned uh, about that time, and a lot of the earlier records are um, are, are not available. But uh, there may be some ways to get more information. Well, I know a lot of people go to Utah for genealogy yeah. it's records. A, it's a top place in this country, mm-hmm. yeah. the way Seville is in Spain. Yes, yes, yeah. very much so. Well, tell us about your family now. You have, I heard you say, two children. Yes, we have um, uh, two. Uh, uh, um, my son is about 52, and my daughter's 51. And uh, they, we just graduated uh, three of their children from college just a couple weeks ago. Oh, what a milestone. Mm-hmm. So we've got five grandchildren there in mm-hmm. Boston and, and Chicago. Yeah. And um, you know, everybody's doing very well. Well. They're, wonder, they're wonderful kids. They're not kids, they're adults now, but yeah. I've been lucky enough to have dinner with each of them at different times. And there's a special grandson. Well, they're all special, but he, there, you have one grandson that's doing something uh, yeah, pretty you know, rare. Yeah, he, um, he graduated from Marquette just you know a few weeks ago with a degree in finance. And uh, right now, he is at uh, boot camp to be a, a, a Navy SEAL. Um, he, he, for, for the last five years, he has wanted to serve his country. And Navy SEAL, he said, I'm going to do it the toughest way I can. And um, so he got, got in uh, to their, their initial uh, screening, and uh, he'll be in um, San Diego at, at their their. I guess it's a hell week or so that lasts many months um, uh, to train for being a Navy SEAL. He just it, started, didn't he, last week? In fact, um, he called me last night, and oh, we, wow. we chatted a little bit, and he said, I'm the, I'm the last one on uh, that he'll talk to, and he has to give his phone up. 
And um, what a privilege that he called you. That was nice of you. Yeah. Very nice. I wonder how many, when they do have their uh, testing to get into the seals, how many out of how many actually make it? Well, uh, I, I, there was a a PBS program uh, and followed one group, and uh, they started, I think, with seventy-three in the class. This is when they get to San Diego, you know. Oh, okay. And they started with 73 and 21 finished. So. Uh, Pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he has this ahead of him yet now in yeah, San Diego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's qualified very well though earlier. They had earlier uh, screenings and he qualified very, very well. You know, he's, he's been preparing for it for years. Um, How long is the program? Um, I, I think um, about one year, you said, w- with everything. But um, we won't, we, we, there would be no communication for quite a while. Yeah. Um, well, Leslie said that he wanted to be a SEAL for a long time. Yes. This has been a dream of his. Yeah, yeah it has. But he's a smart kid, you know. He, he, he did very well in, school, in college and knew it was important to get his degree first. And um, When will he be able to call again? <laughs> To I let I you know. I don't know. You just don't uh, know all those rules. Several months, I think. Oh, goodness. It's a long yeah. time to wait, but... Yeah. How nice that he I call bet, you. I yeah. bet he'll call you again well, as soon as he knows something important. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think there are other things that we could talk about that we didn't talk about last last time, but I have some questions here. Patrick has these lists of questions that he asks every now and then. Before I ask any of those, Fred, do you have anything on your list of things that you would like to share with Holly Creek? Um, yeah. Okay. I do. One thing that I think is, uh, I found to be very important, um, and that's um, um, the social stigma of some diseases. Okay. And um, the... the um, the benefit of talking about it. Uh, I've got Parkinson's, and I had, I've had Parkinson's for several years, and I'm doing pretty well. Um, but um, uh, people are reluctant to say they have such a disease. It's progressive, and, and there's uh, not there's no cure. Um, and uh, I can understand the reluctance to, to talk because it may affect your job or something, uh, and uninformed people, um, uh, in, you know, in, in your life. But also, uh, there, uh, when, when, you, when you don't have that concern, um, people are still re- reluctant. And, um, but I, for some reason, I just chose to talk about it. I, and, and I got involved in the Parkinson's community here, and um, um, I, I've, 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 I've done much better physically because of that. Um, you've got a lot. You got friends that have the same issue, and you can help others that are reluctant to to get involved. Um, you know, realize that um, um, you know we're, we're friends. We help each other, and uh, I, I just um, it's been a kind of a little bit of a gift to me because I didn't realize that, um, that it, it would actually benefit me to be um, kind of out, out of it, out so to speak. You're a good spokesperson for it. I I would imagine some people feel, well, I know that Fred has Parkinson's, but I don't know if he wants me to ask him about it. So what, 
how would you say someone should approach you with that kind of feeling? What would what would be good for you to hear? Just to treat me just like anybody else. Uh, I think that's. So you would welcome somebody say, "How are you feeling? How how is it affecting you today or yesterday or?" Um, well, let's. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm 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 very open about that sort of thing, but uh, let's just talk like we as if I didn't have Parkinson's. Okay. Um, just a normal everyday individual. I remember having coffee with you the first time, and I was so impressed at your openness yeah. about your Parkinson's. Yeah. You were very open about it and the history. And I was really impressed because it's very hard to talk about some of the different illnesses. And yeah. I know because I have bipolar disorder. Yes. And that's why I've given talks. Yeah. And there is a stigma, I would guess. I don't know about Parkinson's, but I know there is a stigma as far as mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree. But I was very impressed that time. Yeah. Well, it's it's good that you let us know that you share this, uh, the willingness to talk about it, but also you like to be yourself as a, any conversation would take place. Got a question. What is one thing that you have never done but wish you had done or would do if you were now able? That's a good question. I haven't thought about that. I I, uh, I don't have a lot of stuff on my my uh, bucket list. You know, I'm, I'm content. But um, I think that I wish that I wouldn't get seasick. <laughs> and I'd like to I'd like to be a sailor. But I just have never. You know, I, um, I get violently ill around uh, anything. That <laughs> and that stayed with you from a young person all yeah. the way up to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can I can remember a lot of stories, uh, but um, no, I I I would like to be a, a good sailor. But no how way. about carsick as a child? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Of course, and you had all that trouble for many years on your asthma. Yeah. So yeah. that really affected your life, and yeah. you couldn't do sports, and so you did those beautiful boat models. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. You're. Uh, you find other things. You That's don't right. wallow in in your your uh, miss. Um, That's true. Your 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 what what would you call it? Um, um, your limitation. You don't wallow in your limitations. You just find other stuff and find uh, a way around them. Yeah. 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 Um, what do you think the world will be like a hundred years from now? We've got AI. What's going to happen in a hundred years <laughs> oh, against oh, AI? Oh. I can't predict. Um, I um, we're moving awfully fast, and um, I, I I I'm concerned that uh, people really don't listen to each other. Uh, they they uh, we're we're getting so that we just want to state our opinion and don't care about what everybody else thinks, and uh, I think it's going to be a, a problem. Um, well, you know that um, one thing here that we're going to uh, have a program in the future about listening to each other and finding out what we have in common. And 
let me just uh, let you know, Holly Creek, this is going to come up, and you're all going to have a part in this if you would like it. But you have made the, the statement, Holly Creek brings people together with similar histories. Mm-hmm. So in July, Wanderings is going to do a program on these similar histories and coincidences among friends here. We would like to have more stories from residents who have encountered others here and have discovered uncanny similar histories. To expand this a bit, if there has been a coincidence or serendipity in your life, which has seemed unbelievable, would you jot any of these experiences down and commute three three by five card or paper what you need, but just put it in the Stenman mailbox at eleven zero three. These brief stories will be read after we discover what current residents of Holly Creek have found, having one special event in common. So we we have some people here that have found some things in common. It's kind of a rare thing. They will be here to talk, but that's not going to be the whole story. We want your stories too. Some uh, pleasant. One example I might give is um, the first month I think that we came to Holly Creek now ten years ago at a donut social. We sat next to Dolores Meter discovered that she and Ken and I went to the same college. Mm-hmm. We could live here today and never had that discussion, and we would have missed out. Mm-hmm. So it's worthwhile, and Fred, I think you bring it up, listen to each other, and um, let's find out what we have in common. We're here, I think, all because we do have a lot in common, so find out the facts. I was amazed myself one time when I was talking to Fred that our fathers are named Mario. That His father was named Mario, Midley, and my dad from Cuba was named Mario. So those are wonderful things I, that I kind of think bring I know people anybody together. else in this country that was named Mario. Well, I hear the music playing. We're glad the music's back with us. So, Fred, a thousand thanks for coming back. Uh, you're the most interesting person. Appreciate your wisdom. Very wise person. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being able to thank my neighbors for what they did.